Welcome back to the show, everybody. Good Lord, do we have a special guest this week. How many people you know have 10 best-selling books? I mean, really think about it and let that sink in for a minute. How many people you know has 10 best-selling books under their belt? Yeah, but then you say he's got the magic touch. Well, of course he does. But he just doesn't keep it for himself. He's helped thousands of people become bestsellers using his strategies, technique, and magic sauce. I don't know what you have planned for the next 25 minutes or so, but I suggest you put some time aside and listen to what this man has to say. Ladies and gentlemen, make some noise for Steve, the bestseller maker kid. I mean, you can hear them go wild right in here, right? Absolutely. I also it's great to be here. Oh, man, it's great to have you here. I hear that the bestseller can also make you some... Oh, right? Yeah. That's pretty good for the bank as well. Thank you for being here. Just to give you a little glimpse of what's going on on the show. We're helping a guy named John. Very intelligent, expert, author, professional. Great at what he does. Best dentist in the world, right? Best expert in, I don't know, knee surgeries, whatever it is. Great at what he does. So deserves the title, money and recognition. But for some reason, he goes out to speak on stage or on a Zoom call or is being interviewed on TV and it's just a stuttering mess or he's just reading off a script while shaking or he gets no conversion. Just horrible. No conversion, no sale, no nothing, right? And we're just here to help him out. So in your opinion, I've been, I mean, you've been selling since five years old, right? Yes, I have. So, John, listen up. In your experience, why do you think most speeches suck so bad? Well, you know, mostly it's because we're chasing a thing rather than being ourselves. And it's that lack of authenticity because we're supposed to be whatever that is that ends up really falling on our face you know sometimes even literally but you know <laughs> definitely at least uh you know in presentation yeah i've seen people fall on their face on stage literally right but more often than not it's falling on your face figuratively like now a lot of times the difference between what you had expected what you had planned what you had in mind and what actually happens there's such worlds mm -hmm. apart I'm just trying to bring this out. So any stories where people maybe succeeded in going from absolutely horrendous and horrible to great or just one or the other? Let's do it. Well, I mean, so many stories come to mind. The first one, because you were talking about John, um, we'll call her Joan, uh, one of my authors. Joanna. Um, actually, yeah. Joanna. Actually, her name is Dr. Alicia Griffith. Um, Dr. Alicia is a autologist, meaning that she helps people with ear related yep. kind of things. And her specialty is children with autism because they tend to have real issues with loud noises and stuff like that. After being in that field for 10 years, her son was born and he ended up being autistic. Good. So now she not only had it as a profession, she was a professional at it. She also had 10 years by the time I met her, 10 years of experience in that field as a mom nobody knew who she was. Amazing, amazing woman, knew her stuff, was a medical doctor, had been in that field for 20 years. Nobody had ever heard of her. 
then we made her a bestseller. Um, the first place she got on, it was uh, like TNN, one of the, you know, like uh, 700 Club or something like that. Um, and they did 45 minutes and they kept holding her book and talking about her book. And it was so exciting. And that led from there, um, she was, and this is about two years ago now, but she was actually on uh, the Today Show. And again, you know, I mean, those segments are smaller. That was like three to five minutes, but they were talking about her book. And she is now one of the go-to experts for autism in a field that she should have already been, but nobody knew who she was. Atta girl. See, that's exactly, that's John in a nutshell for you. Now, a lot of people, they're that good, that deep into it, that knowledgeable, but there's a but or a few butts in front. And not the type of butts you like to look at, like big butts, yeah, not that butt, okay? So these butts are in their way of them putting themselves out there as much as they know they should, air quotes, should. You know, this could be self-worth issues. It could be lack of confidence. could be afraid of stuttering. It could be a host of all situations. I mean, where does, where does it stop? Where does one go flick, beep it, I'm going to just go for it? Have you seen the switch in a few people? Like, mm. I mean, statistically speaking, I know that 80% of people that you run into, so basically everyone, wants to write a book. And that uh, less than five, about 3.27% of people ever actually even get around to writing the book. So uh, part of that switch is this bold move that they make to say, hey, let's just maybe try this thing. Um, and then when the real switch comes, uh, you know, I do interview style writing because there's something about talking with a person that helps them really genuinely be them. Um, and it's, it's almost like magic to see when they're really, when I dig down deep with them and start talking to them about who are you really, that the real them becomes to come out. And it's really cool sometimes to see, you know, they have this whole plan and they've been this, you know, and, and they're supposed to write this life-changing transformational book, you know, and, um, you know, and in the course of that, the real them just comes out and it's like, you know, right there, that's the thing. That, in fact, that statement you just made, that's the title of your book. And it's, you can, you know, because I'm usually doing it on Zoom and when we're on video, you can actually even see that light in their eyes all of a sudden. It's like one of my, one of the people um, actually said to me, she's like, I feel like for the first time I had permission to just be me. There you go. That's beautiful. John, I hope you're taking notes. Interview style format allow you deeper connection with the audience we're talking about here with the kid himself he interviews you to get yourself out of your own way and reveal it in the book that he turns into a bestseller now since that's in a book format now you need to go speak in the media or get interviewed somewhere while you, they can speak about that which is the book because it's you and if you're nervous about it, a trick you can use is you can 
ask someone to cue you questions, interview style speaking. How cool is that? And really for a first time speaker, uh, you know, that's why I love that event that we were in a couple of weeks ago, the style that they do, if you can get in where they will do an interview with you, it's just so much easier. You just have a conversation, forget the audiences there. I mean, some of us have been in front of audiences for so many years that it's like, you know, I don't even know if I can really do this Facebook live thing because there's not an audience yelling, yeah. right? <laughs> but, you know, we've learned sort of, uh, you know, but for most of us, if we just, if a person will let that audience go and just connect with a person that's asking them questions, um, get somebody that's interested in what you're doing, you know, so they're not up there yawning on stage while you're talking about this amazing thing that you are in the world. But um, it is a really good secret for having a powerful talk. On the Zoom thing, for people who don't know, when you're on the Zoom thing, you can click on gallery view or you can, you know, use the arrows and you can choose who you're looking at. So you can choose to look at someone who has a, a dead screen like this or look at someone who's like, all right, this is great and taking notes and stuff. So depending on who you look at, you know, you get that interaction. One of my clients was doing the Facebook Live um, last Monday. And I was studying the live to coach him for later. And the best money shots he had during the whole night was when he stopped speaking to the audience and started answering to, you know, Lynn. No, 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 Lynn, you don't get it. And he started speaking to Lynn directly. That's where all the money shots start to come. And there's a funny fact where when you speak to one person in an audience of thousands, that connection even though it's one-to-one, -one, bleeds out and emanates through everyone else and they fill in the blanks in their minds to connect that story to them better than if you dilute your thing to try to fit to everybody. That's a cool phenomenon. Have you noticed that like in live or in Zoom? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, going back, because both of us are musicians, how many times have you heard somebody say, you know, I was at a concert and, um, I remember specifically a person was telling me how they went to a KISS concert and Gene Simmons pointed right at her. Now, you know, you're talking big arenas and 30, huge lights. You know what it's like being on the other side of that. The probability that he saw anybody is probably pretty slim, especially, you know, back in the day, the way KISS did concerts. <laughs> But um, she felt like he had selected her out of all the women in the whole thing and pointed directly at her. And, you know, we've heard that story many, many times before. And if we could have surveyed that whole entire audience at that particular concert, you know, I've heard about it 10 years later, they were recounting the story, but if we could have surveyed all of them, there probably was a hundred girls in that like audience. A, yeah. Like a, like a 50 feet radius in the crowd. Yeah. And they all were like, oh, and we were so connected. And then later on in another song, you know, Gene was overlooking at this side of the audience and, oh, he looked right at me and, oh, you know, I mean, kind of thing. And the same thing is true. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's sometimes easier when you have a rock band backing you up to be a little more energized. But kind of helps. But, uh, you know, the same thing's true when we're talking is, is that, that looking down and saying, you know, oh, John, 
you've got to get this book done right now. It can't wait. There's somebody that's desperate right now on Google. You know, they're typing, typing away, trying to find an answer to that thing you do so easily that honestly, you probably discounted it and you don't even think about it as the thing that you do in this world. And it comes natural to you, John. So to you, now there's, there's when selling, Russell Brunson has a saying called no techno babble. So your doctor, client, the uh, ear specialist, if she goes out and speaks, you know, in terms of frequencies and vibration and, and devices and number of beeps per second and perception and then, you know, whatever the thing that she does, people yawn and crap, but she starts talking about her son who has autism. Good Lord. There's a phenomenon where in her own mind, when she flips the switch on to go and speak about that, her face changes, her body language changes, the, the depth of her breath can change. She can even sigh or be like, kind of a feeling of, I wasn't expecting to go there today, but here we go. And when that moment happens, we don't have, like, you know, people perk up and listen, like, that's what it is. They're not looking on their phone at that time. They're not flicking on other tabs while they're listening to you in Zoom. Right, they're paying attention, and if you don't get their attention, good God, what are you going to do? Right? Yeah, absolutely. And there are so many things that are drawing our attention. Your phone's right there, you know, and it's buzzing away constantly, no matter what you're doing. You know, you've got the next Facebook post that somebody posted what they have for breakfast. <laughs> Can't miss that. You know, and if you're boring when you're presenting your stuff, then you know. Ham and egg sounds more interesting than whatever you're babbling on about in your in your Facebook Live or on your Zoom or even from stage. Steve is a great guest for us this week because this guy used to have long, long, long hair, rocking pretty hard in the club, singing these high notes. I didn't ask. Did you have the tight spandex pants as well? I um I didn't wear spandex pants, but um I did have essentially what was a pair of tight sweatpants that had stripes down the side of it and a um, lace, uh, what was really a scarf that hung down the side of it. Okay, close um, enough. So he was yeah. rocking the scarf <laughs> along here, singing these high notes. He knows what it feels like to be on stage as a rock star. And the thing is, I mean, when you're selling, I have a client just Monday that sold $562,830 for a launch. That feels pretty good. He's ecstatic. He's feeling like a rock star in the moment and afterwards and launching too. Because when you have a hit, you have a hit. So we, you know, selling feels good. Rock star levels of confidence. Being a rock star feels good because it's rock star levels of confidence. So, you know, right? so the selling and, 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 and the doing. So we have a great guest here because he can make the parallels. Could you speak on the parallels of, you know, being on stage, rocking out and uh, with music versus taking a mic and selling the room to, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions if you have or some people that, that you know, like any parallels in there? There is. Well, and it's interesting, you know, because anybody that knows anything about musicians know about all the drugs that tend to be 
Um, and there's allegedly, allegedly. Well, yeah, allegedly. And there are some of us that, um, you know, really, it was like, I don't know how I could handle having drugs along with this, because the energy that's coming to me from the room that I'm then putting back out that then, you know, I mean, it's like this uh, feedback loop, yeah. you know, um, and the same thing when you're authentic, and that's the real key when you're speaking, um, is when you're really giving your heart, you feel the people that you're connecting to, and you feel them giving their hearts back to you. And it's, again, like a spiritual feedback loop that is happening. Now, for those that don't understand what a feedback loop is, if you take your microphone, like, is that a, is that a, an amp that's behind you? Yeah, <laughs> uh, I could yeah, demonstrate here. Yeah, if you, want yeah you know, I mean, if you stick the microphone in the speaker, it will make a wailing, horrible sound. <laughs> and it's because without going, you know, after we just said, don't get technical, it's because the sound is just going back around and around and around through and it's building and building and building. Um, if you did it long enough, you'd actually blow out the speaker. Yeah. Uh, don't try that. It's really not that fun of a sound to want to keep try it, it at that home. long. Yeah. <laughs> but in a spiritual aspect, it just keeps building you up and up and your heart is giving to them and they're giving their heart back to you. And you're both becoming better people in the world because of that. But and I'm going to say this word again, you have to be authentic. You have to be genuinely really who you are. Um, the same thing is true, really, honestly, when you're, when you're performing on stage. Um, because the bands that, have, that, that we all know by name, you know, that have been around forever, um, the people feel like they know them. I mean, you've never really met, unfortunately lost him last year, but you've never really met Eddie Van Halen. Yeah. But yet you feel like there's this personal connection between you and Eddie Van Halen because of the emotion that he puts in. I mean, we could go even older all the way back to Jimi Hendrix and stuff and the emotion that they put in it that connects beyond our brain straight into our hearts. And again, it creates that cycle with us. Um, and like I said, whether you're singing with a band behind you or you're standing there with just a microphone in your hand and you're saying, okay, guys, let's really get into this thing today. Let's see if we can make a difference. It's all about that heart condition of why are you even talking? That's where marketing is the muscle and branding is the soul. Mm -hmm. That's where branding comes in. Yeah. We'll come back to Steve for the last words of wisdom. This is a quick story. The first time I had, well, no, actually not the first time I had a big one, but the last panic attack I had on stage was the first time I spoke to a spiritual crowd of a few thousand people. I was used to speaking to regular people. You know, if there's a, if there's a big crowd, you know, up to 17,000 people as a musician, you get some, you know, energy from them. But there's such a thing as levels of consciousness and, and focused awareness where I was speaking to a, a very, you know, a higher, more attuned spiritual crowd of about 1,700 people. And when I got on there, the, the, the push the, whoa, felt a bit too much. And I had kind of a panic attack at that time. So depending on the crowd you're speaking to and how much they're listening to you, 
I know that one the people things that freak people out is too many eyes on you at once. And the trick is, is you got to go past the mind. You got to go past the visions and blurriness and stuff and just let it go through once. You just let it wash over you. And then the wave comes back, but from behind you. So you don't want that. You don't want to try to hold that in front of you. I mean, you can't. You got to let it run through. And as a wave, it comes back. And when it comes back, they feel it. So final words of wisdom from the kid himself for John. Somebody's waiting on you. And the truth of the matter is none of us were put on this planet to, uh, you know, keep the carbon dioxide balance right. You know, just this person is just here to exchange oxygen with carbon dioxide. There is a purpose for who you are, for what you do in this world. We're all put here to serve the people that we're meant to serve with the message and the us that is us. Now, I've made that huge. Let me break it down into something smaller for you. It's all just about maximizing while it's called today for that one person. Just like we're talking to you, John, we could talk to, you know, John and Joan and Ralph and Fred and Sam and Rick, but we want to talk just to you. And we want you to just be the best you that you can be while it's called today. And of course, I would encourage you that part of that is you need to share who you really are at the, at the heart of you with the world um, in something that's going to outlast you. And Facebook Lives, they're going to stay for a while. Um, you know, the words hang in a room when you do a speech, but there's really not anything that outlives you better than having that written in a book that a person can reach over just like I've got here. They can grab it, they can feel it, they can touch it, and they can dive into your soul as you pour it out onto the pages. Um, and so I encourage you, do the world a favor and share you with the world. There you go. Steve Kidd, check the link in the show notes if you want more of that. In the meantime, I encourage you to keep on rocking in the free world, keyword free, ladies and gentlemen. Check out the links in the show notes for me and or for Steve Kidd. Thank you all. Have a great weekend. See you soon.